As we turn a page on a new calendar year, we look back at 2023. So many incredible resources shared, the brave client voices that highlighted their resiliency, uncertainty, loss, and hope. This year brought over 20 new episodes shared, social platforms grown, and the exciting momentum for the new year ahead. What an exciting year. Welcome to Wondercast, a community collaborative podcast supporting families navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Join us today as we take a Wondercast glance at the greatness of 2023, a year in review. This year, we leaned into the stories from the clients we serve that continue to be my personal why for continuing in the work that I do. These individuals, big and small, share their stories with us that have forever changed my view on the world. In case you can't remember, let me reintroduce you to these incredible individuals. I'm Holly Barrett, and I've lived in Central Texas for over 20 years now. I'm a nurse. I haven't worked full-time since I was diagnosed. I had invasive ductal, invasive lobular, lobular in situ, and ductal in situ. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the gamut, you know, go big or go home, right? I was in remission for eight years. And then I was re-diagnosed in December, like December 2nd of 2022. Hi, my name is Annie. Um, I can purr. Like a kitten? That's amazing. Hi, my name's Henley. I can sing. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck, a hug around the neck, a bushel and a peck. Hi, I'm Halen. I love to play volleyball. My name is Kristen, and I am a mother to four amazing kiddos. I have received an amazing gift of a heart transplant was incredibly successful. I have medical things I have to do and I am on daily immune suppression and will be for the rest of my life. So that introduces, you know, some other things, but, but I'm here today, still mom of four, still doing mom stuff and living a very full life. My name is Chad Riggins. I'm a husband and luckily I'm a father of two. What I enjoy in life outside my family is spending time either backpacking or rock climbing. I have frontal lobe seizures, and so I have trouble uh, remembering things, especially people's names, recalling uh, events. Now, I can remember things that's happened several years ago, but uh, current events and stuff like that, and things that you think you should know. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening. My name is Tiffany, and I'm so excited to be here today. I'm a little bit nervous, a little bit excited. I am 35 this year. I have had cancer for almost four years now. I think that like many of us parents and mothers out here, that we try not to be defined by cancer. Our network of support for Wonders and Worries grows greater and stronger every single year. This year, we met with physicians, social workers, child life specialists, care farmers, speech language pathologists, care coordinators, 
teachers, laughter yoga leaders, and published authors from all over the country with the shared goal of learning from their expertise, identifying resources in our own communities, and growing our wellness. Well, I am uh, Dr. Lon Smith. I am a medical oncologist here in San Antonio. I was trained uh, in internal medicine and did a residency at the University of Texas in Houston. Then a fellowship in the Department of Developmental Therapeutics at MD Anderson Hospital in Houston. And then I moved to San Antonio and I've been in private practice here for now a long time. Started along with Dr. Steve Calter, what has become the START Center for Cancer Care here in San Antonio, and now includes about 43 physicians. Well, hi, my name is Kristen. I'm one of the social workers in Houston, Texas. I work in the Texas Medical Center at a heart transplant and LVAD program. For those of you not familiar with LVAD, it's the left ventricular assist device and also known as a heart pump. So sometimes it helps people that are waiting for a transplant or may not be a candidate for a heart transplant as another option. Hello, my name is Jamie Tanner. I am the founder and volunteer CEO at Simple Sparrow Care Farm. So the Care Farm has been a registered 501c3 nonprofit for about five years, but I have had the farm for over 10 years. My name is Molly, and I am a speech-language pathologist in Washington State, and I work in a couple different settings. I am seeing patients in acute care in a hospital and also as an outpatient as part of their rehabilitation team. Hi, everyone. My name is Jackie, and I have had the great privilege of being a child life specialist for Wonders and Worries for almost 20 years, and I am also the program manager for the Austin area. Hello, everyone. It's so exciting to be here today. I am Kim Fryer. I have been a child life specialist for 30 years. Hi, thank you for having me, Julie. My name is Ashley Burns, and I have been a child life specialist for eight years now. Hi, I'm Megan Christie, and I have been a teacher for 21 years, or this will be my 21st year of teaching. I am a mom of two kiddos. I get to bring them with me to school, so I love that. Hi, my name is Joni Brooks, and I live in San Antonio, Texas, and I am a sacred athlete, and I'm a somatic movement educator. And I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I have experience in the healing arts. My desire is for everybody to reach their full potential and live a life of pleasure. So my, really my purpose in, in life is to help people to awaken to their ability to self-heal. I am Danielle Coleman. I am the Child Life Specialist in the Houston office. I have been a child life specialist now for over 10 years, which I cannot believe that every time that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> and I am a mom of two. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Julie. I have been a child life specialist for 14 years, which is wild. I'm married to my college sweetheart, and we have two kids who challenge me and humble me daily. 
Hi, my name is Kate Mahan. I am the Oncology Social Work Counselor at Canopy Cancer Survivorship Center. And we are at the Memorial Hermann Woodlands Medical Center. So hi, guys. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Potter, and I couldn't be happier to be here tonight. So I am a reconstructive plastic surgeon. My specialty is breast reconstruction, and my practice is based here in Austin, Texas. I serve women um, throughout the country. I take care of about 40% of the women in Central Texas who are diagnosed with breast cancer, so quite a large area. I've been here in Austin for about 10 years. My husband and I love living here and especially love the work that we get to do with this community. I spend so many hours immersed in the editing of the audio and in the retelling of the wisdom, authenticity, and vulnerability shared by our podcast guests. My heart comes away forever changed. Here are a few of my favorite takeaways from the 2023 seasons. What would you say is your favorite part of the profession that you have gotten to utilize at Wonders and Worries? Oh, Julie, there's so many things, and I know you've experienced this. There's that magic in seeing kids master this and parents feel confident and them grow through this, and not necessarily because of even anything we did, but because we help point them to what they have inside themselves. And I think that is just the most amazing gift when we can walk beside them and help them see what they possess inside that can help them cope and thrive and be resilient. So you did ask um, how I manage my acuity level, all the different acuity levels while also taking care of myself and making sure that there's balance, right? I think that's a big thing that we're all trying to strive for is balance. Um, and I think that for those, those helping professionals that are listening, that, uh, finding that is important and having a self-care protocol. So if let's say it is a particularly demanding day, or there is a day where it is, uh, there is a very high acuity, definitely found me outside kind of walking laps around the hospital in between evals just to get a little vitamin D. And I think that giving ourselves permission is helping professionals to fill our own cup so that we can continue to pour into others. My sisters and my mother worked really hard to make my hospital room very motivating. They all are fabulous at design. They went and got all kinds of pictures of me with my children and traveling and family vacation type photos. And they had them blown up you know, in 11 by 16 type sizes. And those were postered like wallpaper all over my room. And I think that that made a tremendous difference for me because the person that was in that bed was not the person in those photos. Um, I'm sorry. But being able to see that girl up there and know those are the kids I'm trying to get back to, you know, it made... Every single day, every single task that came my way, so much more doable. Are you still able to have a fun summer if someone in your family is sick or recovering? Yes. Yes, Yes, you can, right? It might be sad, but... Just because someone's sick doesn't mean you can't have fun. The fun just might look a little different this year, right? I don't really know yet how it'll play out this time. But the first time around, my children got to witness, I mean, they saw people who 
brought us food. They saw people who visited me and visited me in the hospital. We had a lady from our church who would come and get my dirty laundry and wash it and bring it back clean and folded. And, and I mean, you can't teach that. You know, I, I really think that it, it's made them who they are. Um, it's going to get better, like anything else. And it, it, sometimes you lose sight of that, but it'll get better. You can't be stuck in the day. Definitely. And uh, every little thing you can do, for me, that they helped out a bunch, was trying to do the best I can to pursue the, a, a normal life, the activities mm-hmm. and stuff. You have to re-prioritize uh, or adjust. You know, I've had to readjust the level I hold myself to. But, uh, you know, realize the main thing when it's all said and done, your family's going to love you. They may be embarrassed of you at times, but they're going to love you and they're going to be there for you. I think that being a doctor involved with clinical trials has been a really rewarding place to be. And sometimes you can really be present at a miracle because we saw things, for instance, when we were using pembrolizumab for patients with melanoma that were just absolutely remarkable. And there were stunning responses to it. So I think if you have a malignancy for which there is no good treatment, you should think about whether you should try. Because if you do try something, there is really the hope that uh, you can find something that really leads to a spectacular result. I can remember very distinctly, I went to MD Anderson and I was asking them, what can I do? How can I surpass this? Well, you know, the people that live for a long time, what makes them different? And the lady there, she told me, she said, the people that I see that live the longest, it's because they are not defined by their illness. They don't let it define them. They are not person with cancer. They are person, right? And and so I try my hardest to make sure that I do other things as well. In my own practice. I love educating patients. I love listening to patients. And it's not just me, it's the entire team. I think the best way for me to describe what what I believe in would be just to kind of walk through that. So before I ever meet a patient, we review the history in detail, the imaging, the receptor types, the size of a tumor, the previous treatments. I have all of this very detailed information in front of me. So I don't spend the majority of my visit going through the medical details, right? I think that in order to really understand the right options for you, you need for someone to get to know who you are. I'm one of those doctors out here that, and there's lots of us, that have so much admiration and respect for the families that are in this fight. And I want you to know that we love the work we're here for you. I wake up every day excited to go help people, right? I want you to know that there are doctors like me out here that aren't just doing this because it's our job, but are doing this because the universe sent us to you and we are all in. So get ready. One of the things I do want to touch on because it does come up a lot with some of our parents and our kids in Wonders and Worry about this concept of guilt around receiving a heart from somebody else who has passed away? We took a fairly proactive approach on talking about that. For the kids, I talked to them quite a bit about 
what it means to be an organ donor. The kids and I pray a lot together or did during that time. And we would pray about the donor and the donor family. And we were actually not praying for anything bad to happen to this person. We were praying the opposite. We were, we were praying that God would be protecting them. <laughs> and I know that sounds really bizarre. Um, it, it's a difficult thing to explain, but I wanted us to really walk through, this is why you would choose to be an organ donor. This is the what happens as far as when someone in the medical profession would decide that that was something that could be proceeded with and making sure the children understood there was no hope for that person at that point to save them and that it was the decision to have a legacy to pass on, something you can do after death to be a hero to someone else's family. What I told the kids repeatedly was, if I am offered a heart, if I am given a heart, that heart will become part of our family. And we will treat that heart like a new member of our family. And we will love that heart. And we will take that heart everywhere we can and give that heart all the experiences we possibly can. And that's what we have done. We, we gave my heart a name. We call her Grace. Grace is talked about a lot in our house. And anytime we do something new or exciting, we have a moment to say, thank you, Grace because this is possible because of you. And thank you to Grace's family for, for allowing Grace to be part of our life. And then, you know, we talk about maybe this is the first time Grace has been here, or maybe this is the first time she's done snorkeling or <laughs> seen the ocean or um, all, all sorts of things. My biggest thing is that communication piece, like having that rapport with the parent and having that communication with the parent where I can text you or I can email you or you feel safe to do the same just so that they, the child knows that we are both here for you. We're both on the same page, but that has been just the biggest win that you can do is to build that relationship between home and school and to help support that kiddo wherever they are. <laughs> oh gosh, I would say my favorite camp experience. So the camp that I volunteered at, Camp Spike and Wave, was for children and young with epilepsy. And my favorite camp experience from that is one day we had a food fight. And it was a crazy but fun experience. We had all gone outside. And it was a planned event, but the kids did not know about it. So it was a surprise. And we had ketchup. We had mustard. We had mayonnaise. Um, like bread, and we just had a massive food fight in the field. And so it was yucky. It was messy. It took hours to clean up. But the joy that you see on those kids' faces and on the counselors' faces and the medical staff is one to remember forever. It's something that you definitely do not get to experience at home all the time. And so it's just by far my favorite memory. This is a common thing throughout Camp John Mark and other camps, but there was something called hug raids. And so a hug raid was where one cabin would plan to surprise another cabin and basically, you know, show up and hug them. And the counselors would coordinate. So the counselors knew, you know, oh, when we get back from this activity, this cabin's going to be in our cabin and surprise us. 
But I was part of, as a child life specialist, I was part of the medical team. And so we, the nurses and doctor and child life specialists, we would do our own hug raids. And so we had coordinated with the little boy's cabin and their counselors. And we hid in their bathroom, in their like stalls. And the counselors were reading stories. We were probably in there 30 minutes, like <laughs> the nurses and the dog hiding in the shower and the stalls while the counselors did their nighttime routine with these little boys. And then right when they were about to settle, we run out and we're like, oh, great. Well, I just really enjoy, you know, helping people realize that they do have this potential to, to self-heal. And they also have the potential to, to spread this to others, you know, through, through kindness, through the smile. Um, I like to use about, you know, just even being in a grocery store and then using your kindness, your smile when you're checking out, when you're, you know, with the person behind you or front, in front of you, the person that you're checking out with too, a smile just goes so far and it really can change the world. So even if you decide you don't want to do the laughing, maybe track how many times you smile during the day. It's really tough to stay mad if I start smiling. Yeah, I think the question that's the hardest to answer is when will it be better? When is it going to change? And that can be related to a wide variety of things, but that's that's kind of the crystal ball question that I get almost without fail from every single family that I work with. And my answer to that question is always different because it depends on the diagnosis. It depends on you know other other variables. And I see my role in in answering that question as being sort of like a flashlight. You know, the question or the the room that they're walking into in this diagnosis or the care of their loved one is can be oftentimes dark and scary, and. I want to provide the family with as much information as as they're wanting to receive to help shine a light in that in that process. Like anything long and arduous, it will require you to pace yourselves, take things one step at a time. Please trust yourselves to do what is best for you. Community helps. There are lots of ways to connect whether it's with family or friends or faith or local support or online programs, when in doubt, please reach out. Children thrive within boundaries. Frankly, everybody thrives within boundaries and routines. And when we don't have those boundaries and we don't have those routines and we go, 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 then we're creating this sense of fight or flight within the household, right? Of like, what's next? What's going on? What's what's happening? And it can be a good stress, right? Like I'm excited to go to Disney, but I'm also anxious about going to Disney. And because I'm anxious, I'm acting in this way. And because I'm acting this way, it's causing sibling rivalry and meltdowns in the house. And so how can we find the balance of creating positive memories within boundaries, within routines and within structure? So I think in thinking through, we're all going forth to try and meet our children's needs in fair way and not an equal way. And so I'll leave you with this quote to think about. It says, to be loved equally is somehow to be loved less. To be loved uniquely for one's own special self is to be loved as much as we need to be loved.
So just to remind yourself that equal is not the goal, but fair and unique is. Sometimes when we, our routine is going perfectly, right? Everything seems to be moving smoothly, but then all of a sudden we do have an outburst. All of a sudden we do have really big feelings in the house and you're like, where did this come from? Something that I like to remind my parents of is halt. And what does halt mean? Halt means if a child is hungry, anxious, lonely, or tired, then this is not the time to have difficult conversations. This is this is a child that is deregulated and needs their basic needs met. Oh man, one of the things too I just love about it is I I really do believe every human regardless of your your age, your background, your ability, you're here for a purpose that your life matters. And so whatever it is that you're passionate about stewarding, uh, whether it's a garden, animals, people, matter what it is. I hope you find your flourishing. And if you are curious about the care farm, that's our big passion too. We want to help you find what helps you flourish. You are an important, amazing, valuable person. And sometimes we just need opportunities to to see that and to experience it. Finally, thank you to our listeners that continue to check back each episode and help build the foundation for this Wondercast community. We are forever grateful. Be sure to tune back in as we open season five with a brand new episode on January 15th. Such a great season to come. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. Please subscribe and continue to check back as our content is ever evolving. For questions or specific content-related requests, please send an email to podcast at wondersandworries.org.